Grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If you want to follow along, you can turn in your Bibles or in your folders to the end of our gospel lesson. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49 will be the focus this morning. We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Wouldn't it have been a wonderful thing to have been there that Easter Sunday evening in the upper room when Jesus appeared to his disciples? Wouldn't it have been a wonderful thing to have been one of those two on the road to Emmaus and have Jesus walk and talk with you? That's what we'd like to think. But what did we hear this morning? When Jesus suddenly appeared in that upper room where the disciples were gathered and he showed himself to their disciples, we're told that they were terrified. They were frightened. Maybe as much so as when they'd been on the Mount of Transfiguration and seen Jesus glowing in all his glory as God. When the Apostle Paul, John rather, later saw a vision of Jesus, the vision that we call the book of Revelation, we're told that John fell at Jesus' feet as though dead. When God came down on Mount Sinai and spoke directly to the people of Israel, they begged Moses, make him stop. We can't take it. We can't hear God speaking to us directly. In his grace, God agreed. He doesn't want to frighten us to death with his holiness, but he does want us to know him. And so he said that from then on, Mount Sinai on, he was going to choose certain people, prophets. He would reveal himself to them, he would speak to them, and guided by the Holy Spirit, they would accurately relate what God had said to them, to us. He would come and hide his glory in the flesh and blood of Jesus so that he could walk and talk with the disciples and others who saw him while he lived on this earth and they wouldn't be terrified, they wouldn't be frightened. He would hide himself in the flesh and blood in Jesus so that he could suffer and die to prove how much he loved us so that he could do miraculous signs and wonders to prove that he was true God and true man, so that he could bodily rise from the dead to prove that we too will bodily rise from the dead. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus makes it clear, previous story of the disciples on the road to the Emmaus, now those disciples gathered in the upper room, He makes it clear to them that there's something more important than seeing his resurrected body. Something more important than that. The more important thing is to be connected to the scriptures. When Jesus walked and talked with those disciples on the road to Emmaus, we're told that he hid himself. He didn't let them recognize him at first. He did that because he wanted to make sure that they understood from the scriptures that he was the Christ, their Savior. 
when he appeared to the disciples in the upper room, he did the same thing. But those on the road to Emmaus, he said, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Only after they recognized from the scriptures that Jesus was their Messiah, their Christ, their Savior. Only after that did he let them see him. Notice what Jesus told the group in the upper room. After he calmed their fears with his word of peace, after he ate something in front of them so they realized that he wasn't a ghost, he said, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. He connected them to the scriptures. He reminded them of all the times that he had told them, when we go up to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles. I'm going to be crucified. And then on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He pointed them back to Moses. The prophecy of Moses has said God would raise up for his people a prophet like Moses. He pointed them to Psalm 22. that talked about piercing hands and feet casting lots for clothing. He pointed them to Isaiah, where it talked about being like a lamb before its shearers, being pierced for other people's transgressions, being with the rich in his death, and then seeing the light of life again. It was all there in the scriptures, in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So why didn't they get it? They heard Jesus say those things over and over again. They knew those scriptures, those psalms. They knew the book of Isaiah. Why didn't they get it? As it was happening right before their eyes. The devil. The sinful world around us, our sinful nature that can only look at things of God as foolishness are very powerful forces. They do all they can to keep us blind to the truth. The devil was very happy to incite the Jewish leaders to threaten the disciples. Because the devil knows if you're afraid, you don't always think clearly. And it's pretty hard to remember the promises of God if your heart is filled with fear. The sinful world had distorted the promises about the Messiah so much that almost everybody thought of the Messiah as a, a physical ruler, as someone who would get rid of the Romans and reestablish that glorious kingdom of David and Solomon the way it had been. The sinful flesh of the disciples was telling them that. There's no way that Jesus can rise. How can a crucified man rise from the dead? And if he did really rise from the dead, then... Well, we're in big trouble because how could he possibly forgive us for forsaking him? Still today, Satan incites powerful people to threaten us, to make us think that our, our future is uncertain, 
that if we continue to follow Jesus, that we continue to follow what the scripture says about morality, then we're going to be hated, we're going to be canceled, maybe even fined or imprisoned. See, Satan knows that when our hearts are filled with fear, we don't think straight. When our hearts are filled with fear, we easily forget the wonderful promises of God. Still today, the world distorts the news about Jesus. They want us to think that Jesus is kind of like the golden rule. You know, he's an example to follow. It's good, but he's not a savior. Still today, the world distorts things about Jesus. They try to tell us that if Jesus were here today, he'd say something different today than he said back then. And he'd be very tolerant of all the things that we call sin. The world today tries to deny the virgin birth, the resurrection of Jesus. Tries to tell us that we're completely foolish if we would think that anything like that could possibly happen. And we still have a sinful nature. A sinful nature that considers the things of God to be foolishness and that says if they really did happen, then, well, woe is me, we're in big trouble because there's no way God could possibly forgive us for all the things that we've done. Disciples like us had the devil, the world, and the sinful flesh working against them. Like us, they too were born dead in trespasses of sin. Like us, they were born hostile to God. Like us, they were born blind to the truth of God's word. So what did Jesus do? He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He took away whatever was in the way. Their fear, their guilt, their misunderstanding took them away so that they could make the connection between prophecy and fulfillment, so that they could put it all together. He turned on the light in their hearts and minds so that they weren't able to say, oh, now I get it, now I see it. All those things that happened to Jesus, we shouldn't have been surprised. They were all foretold. It was right there in the scriptures all the time. Jesus had to suffer because he came as our substitute. And as our substitute, he had to suffer the punishment we deserve. He had to suffer first and then enter his glory, then rise from the dead so that his resurrection could prove that all those things that were said in Moses and the prophets and the Psalms had been perfectly fulfilled by his life, death, and resurrection. Like those two men on the road to Emmaus, certainly those people in that room, every one of them, had their heart burning within them, filled with joy and peace that was indescribable. As Jesus opened the scriptures for them, as he connected them to the scriptures. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How's that possible? How can we believe without seeing? Kind of interesting that 
Jesus made sure that those who did see didn't have their face based on seeing. Didn't have their faith based on their emotions. See, they weren't going to keep seeing him. After 40 days, he'd be gone, ascended into heaven. And right at that moment, their emotions were way up here. But after Jesus was gone, and trouble started coming, and persecution began, well, those emotions weren't going to sustain them. He connected them to scriptures. to the certainty that comes from hearing God's promises and seeing those promises perfectly fulfilled. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He connected them to the scripture through which the Holy Spirit works the most wonderful miracle. The miracle of bringing us to faith in Jesus. The miracle and of continuing to strengthen us and keep us in the faith. It's through being connected to the scriptures. spoke to a young man not too long ago who was really struggling with God and with faith. He was really hoping that he would get a, a certain feeling from God, really hoping that God might give him a sign or give him a vision, really hoping that, that God would maybe even let him see heaven, like some have claimed to have seen. I'm sure you can identify him with him at some times in your life, sometimes when you might wish that God would give you some kind of sign or a certain feeling or a vision. But remember what Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Remember what Jesus did. He connected the Emmaus disciples, he connected all those people in the upper room on Easter evening to the scriptures. Remember what the Bible says about that rich man who was in hell and was begging, please send someone back to warn my brothers so that they don't join me here. He was told, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. In our world today, many people are all about science. They think that science will solve all the problems, answer all their questions, if only given enough time and money. But now, many people are disillusioned. Because they can see that even though science is definitely helpful and it helped us discover vaccines, it also has kind of contradicted itself. That something it said was an answer to the question one day is not the answer to the question another day. It's not completely trustworthy. Many others are all about feelings. I'm really amazed, maybe you've noticed this, especially with young people. If they're answering a question, what's the first words out of their mouths? I feel like. Hear that? That's the answer. First words to the answer to the question. I feel like. But how many times aren't those feelings that they express completely contradictory to the actual truth. 
God says through Isaiah, to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. The light of dawn is what Jesus gave to his disciples, what he commissioned his disciples to proclaim, what has been proclaimed to you and to me. The light of dawn is <clears throat> the need for repentance, that everybody needs repentance, that everyone needs to be brought to confess that they are sinful by nature, that they've sinned against God, that they've sinned against their neighbor, that they deserve God's punishment. That's the light of dawn. That's the truth from the scriptures. And of course, the light of dawn is that everyone needs forgiveness. And that forgiveness is only found in one place, in the name of Jesus. In the fact that he came down to this earth, lived and died in our place, and rose again from the dead. That's what the scriptures teach. By God's grace, you're here today. By God's grace, you have been connected to the scriptures. The Holy Spirit has opened your mind so that you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the one who came to earth, lived and died, and rose again for you. Now stay connected to the scriptures. There are powerful forces trying to disconnect you your own sinful nature, the world, Satan, trying to disconnect you from the scriptures. Stay connected to them. They're the only thing that can sustain you through whatever you face in this life, whether it's sickness or trouble or persecution or death itself. Science and emotions, they're not going to sustain you in those things. But the promises of God in the scripture. They sustain you through any kind of trouble, through sickness, through pain, through persecution, even death itself. Stay connected to the scriptures, to those wonderful promises of God that as with those disciples, you have seen foretold and fulfilled perfectly in Jesus, so you know this is what I can count on. This is the truth. Amen. Please stand.